Welcome to the Fighting for Joy podcast. I'm your host, Jody Blick. Well, my husband Eric and I are back today with part three of our series called Fighting for Joy in Marriage. This is not only the last episode in this series on marriage, but it's also the last episode of season three. It took us a minute to get this third part out and wrap up the season of the podcast. Um, Our spring and summer got a little busy, definitely good busy, and you know that if you follow me on social media, but it did cause me to put some Fighting for Joy things on hold. So I'm thankful that we're here now and we are ready to talk through the questions that we received from you about marriage. Before we dive in though, I'm going to get a little personal here and ask you to pray alongside of me in regards to what God would have for the podcast this fall. I'm wondering, should I do a season four? Should I branch out into some Fighting for Joy live events? Is God calling me to more in-person ministry? I'm ready to have more people in our home. I'm possibly thinking about leading a Bible study or doing some intentional mentoring and even exploring different ways to minister to grieving families. I would love for you to pray with me about what is next for Fighting for Joy. I really enjoy doing this podcast and I'm so grateful to have completed three seasons, but I also just want to remain open to seeing what God may have for me and how I can best encourage others in their faith and really just keep proclaiming the goodness and faithfulness of God in the midst of brokenness and struggle. As you pray, if this podcast series on marriage, or actually any of the episodes, has been particularly helpful to you, please share it with others. That is the best way to get the Fighting for Joy podcast out there, through sharing, subscribing, rating it on iTunes, and telling others about it. Maybe you could send the link to somebody, share an episode on Facebook or Instagram, or just share with a friend as you talk. Thanks, you guys. This podcast community is seriously so supportive and kind, and I really feel like we're a team as we work together to spread more hope and joy. Okay, now let me go grab my husband and we will get started with the Q&A. Welcome back, Eric. Thanks, babe. It is good to be back. Yeah, recording these episodes on marriage has been a lot of fun, hasn't it? It has been. Well, today um, we are going to finish this series up by talking through the top 10 questions that our listeners asked us on the topic of marriage. Um, When I say top 10, I just mean kind of the 10 most asked questions. There were other really good questions that we just aren't going to be able to get to today. Um, These marriage episodes have tended to get kind of long, haven't they? (laughs) (laughs) They have. We've had a lot of words. Yeah, yeah. But um, people haven't seemed to mind. And uh, in fact, we have some really sweet friends, uh, Dan and Liz, who uh, sent us a Marco Polo just saying how much fun it was to have hours to do something together and listen to the podcast. So that was fun. But um, we did give them hours too. I tell you what. Yeah, yeah. But even if your question isn't one that we talk about today, um, I think I've been able to reply to everybody individually. Um, So reach back out if I haven't, but know that I'm super grateful for every person that took the time to submit a question. Um, I don't really have an organized format for our conversation today, I think I'll just throw out the question and then we can share our thoughts back and forth. Does that sound good? That sounds great. All right, let's start. The first question, what advice would you give to somebody looking for a spouse or waning to find the one, quote unquote? That's a good one. And I think about this for our own kids. And I think back to when I was dating you. And here's a couple thoughts that I wrote down. Number one, um, who can you run with the best? Hmm. And who do you not want to run without? Those are kind of the 
this idea of running was the way I uh, thought about it. Um, I think that in uh, Hebrews 12, uh, the writer of Hebrews talks about uh, what can help you run and taking off things that hinder you from running. Mm. Uh, Therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and every sin which clings so closely. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. How? Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And so when we think about marriage, um, it's really about who can you run best with, and who do you not want to run on that path without, you know, without... um, I think there's, uh, there's this thought that there's one person in the world that will complete me. Um, and then we bypass so many other people. Um, and I think that if we, if we just look first and foremost at the physical and we forget this is about a race and we forget this is about, uh, you know, some of the whys behind marriage that we uh, covered last time. Um, there, there really are probably five in a group of 10 that really could fit, uh, best running with you. Um, if we think about marriage as this living parable to help us see and to know more of who God is, um, and we see it as a spiritual friendship as the, on, on the way to this eternal home, then I think the best question and the best person to pursue is that person that you can run together best with. Yeah. Um, no, so that's that's how I would answer that one. Yeah. No, that's good. I think I think you're right. I mean, that spiritual friendship idea is is huge. Just you know, not necessarily screening just for looks um, or what they can do for you, but screening for friendship. I mean, who who do you love and like, and can this friendship that you work to develop become a romance and a marriage versus the other way? Somebody you're kind of crazy guga over but then you know don't know if you really um enjoy them or if it's really a true friendship um the other idea that i've been talking with um some of my friends about lately is just thinking through somebody that you want to walk through hard things with Mm, not necessarily somebody who you just want to go on vacation with or build a dream house with or have a family with but who do you want to be quarantined yeah, with? Because <laughs> you will be. <laughs> right. I mean, who would? Who do you want to walk through cancer with or um, go through really hard things in life with? Who is a good match for you with all of that as well? Not just the, the fun aspects of life, but thinking through down the road, um, somebody that will you want to be with during the hard times of life too. Yeah, well said. I yeah. love that. It's really who are we next to? Who are we with? Who are we side by side with as we worship something else? We don't worship our spouse. Um, we don't think of the spouse as the one to uh, save us, but who can stand next to us side by side, focusing our gaze on the same thing? And what yeah. is that uh, thing? It is It is God. It is who we were made for to know. Yeah. Good. Okay. Number two, Um, there were a number of people asking around the theme of grief and marriage. Um, Questions like, how has your marriage changed through loss? How have you handled different timelines and coping processing methods while staying unified as a couple? Um, Was it hard to stay together after Jackson died? Um, Why does grief lead so many people to grow apart? So, you know, I just kind of grouped those all into this second uh, topic of just 
how has grief affected us? I think people were asking us personally, but I, I do think we can kind of have some general ideas too of just how difficult things affect marriages. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think one of the first things that comes to mind is the data behind this would prove that act, actually when hard things happen and death happens, the statistics of divorce and marriage are well underneath the national average and not twice the national average. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's a great starting point. People will say that, well, my son died or my daughter died or I've gone through something very difficult. Therefore, how can marriages stay together? Because all marriages crash at that at that point. Mm-hmm. And so I think yeah. statistically, um, some of the data that we heard from Nancy Guthrie's book mm-hmm. uh, really does prove the research that uh, when things are difficult, um, yeah. uh, divorce actually is well under the national average. Yeah, that was helpful to hear. And we, we did learn that at the grief retreat yeah. as well. I think it's just the reason why it seems the other way is that we hear about the marriages that fall apart. Those are the more vocal or more prominent uh, stories we hear. We don't hear as much about the couples that just quietly keep <laughs> keep plugging along together. So yeah, that's very hopeful to hear that um, the statistics about marriages falling apart in grief um, are, are hopeful. Yeah. yeah. So there's three or four questions embedded in this question. And so the first kind of sub question was how has the marriage changed? And I think in our marriage, I think for me, it is quieted me more. It has made me more sober. Um, it has helped me to just acknowledge this rumble of panic of brokenness underneath everything as, as has been uh, said. Um, and I think it has made me more dependent upon God for what a healthy marriage, what a thriving marriage would look like. I think mm-hmm. that um, in very many ways, when you're young and when you have a solid marriage, things are pretty easy. Um, and I think that we can forget that there's this rumble of panic and that brokenness does happen in this world and it happens around mm-hmm. the corner and it will happen to us, not just because we love Jesus, we're exempt Um or because we know God, we're exempt from this, and God doesn't treat His people like that. That's mm-hmm. that's just not that's just not true. Our world is that broken, um, yeah. and so I think it has made me quieter and more dependent upon God and cry out to Him for a healthy marriage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be one. Yeah, question to answer there. Yeah, I think I think too. Just um, I think it's done the same for me. I think it's also just you know, taught me how important it is to check in with each other, um, how important it is to be patient with, um, with one another and what's helpful, um, to one person, um, valuing that being, um, open to that, even if it's something that doesn't seem like it may be helpful to you. Um, so yeah, I, I think that the quieting aspect has been very true for me as well. Yeah, I think um, that was the uh, second question uh, is to have me know that what helps you in grief mm-hmm. doesn't need to help me in grief. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's uh, different ways that both of us heal and we're two different people. Why wouldn't we think we would heal differently? Mm-hmm. Um, and so as, as I kind of run to the Lord and cry out raw prayers to him and pursue him, um, that that's done in different ways and in different things than what was helpful to you. I think... Yeah. I think that um, grieving with others was a very big piece of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and to have a few close of those friends in the church 
um, and in your friend group and in the uh, church wide that, you know, it doesn't have to be everybody, but really grieving together as a couple means that you're letting in, you're letting in other of those close faithful friends as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a huge thing we've learned is just, um, you know, when one person is getting the help that they need, it ultimately does help the marriage as a whole. Um, and there were things that you wanted, um, to do for your own individual healing that weren't exactly what I was desiring and vice versa. But when we saw each other, um, healing and, um, and processing things the way that was most helpful, it really did, um, solidify our marriage even more. And I think, you know, just the whole idea of grieving separately, but together, so um, being intentional about sharing um, how we're each doing um, with our grief and, um, and just checking in and, and being intentional about um, staying tight um, with, with how we each were doing. Yeah, I think one of the other questions in here was, was it hard to stay together after Jackson died? And the way I'd answer that would be no, it, it was not hard to stay uh, together. Um, if, as we said in the last couple episodes, to become the best student of your spouse, um, that does give you a doorway into your spouse, into a way to help them pursue hope mm-hmm. um, in a way that um, is very helpful and vice versa for you. If your marriage is coming from a good place, yeah. um, you know, who else in this world is going to know the depth of losing Jackson than you. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and so um, as we both kind of ran to the Lord in ways of real hope mm-hmm. and real tangible hope, mm-hmm. that, that was a very good pathway then to kind of reach out to the other person because we knew each other well Yeah, um, to help lead them to yeah. the same hope. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the biggest piece of advice is just yeah. work on your marriage now, um, lean into the sweeter, easier seasons um, in preparation for the difficult seasons because hard things will come. And so you know, to continue to, to build on and work on your marriage. Um, then when these harder things come, I think that's where it would have been more difficult to stay together is that if we would have had all of these things building up over years and over time, um, that we weren't addressing and dealing with in our marriage, then you have something extremely difficult hit your home and your marriage and your family. And you don't, um, you don't have the foundation and the the ability to lean into each other because you, you've kind of put up walls and you haven't dealt with the things that need to be dealt with leading up to it. So yeah, there are hard things that are going to happen if it's not the death of a child. I mean, it's cancer and financial strain and, you know, all kinds of, you know, you look at 2020 and just COVID and quarantining and just all of the things that we're going to be facing with in, you know, face in life. I think the, the key is to continue to do the work, um, all along the way. So yeah. that when the hard things hit, um, you're in a good, a good tight place with one another. Yeah. And yeah. it is muscle memory too, when you are in a good place and you're working on your marriage and you're laying some of the good pathways there, um, mm-hmm. you will wear out those pathways in a good way, um, when you need them most. Yeah. And yeah. the the point is there can't be a tree there. There can't be a car there. There, there has to be a yeah. pathway to walk through. Right. Um, and then you will find the grass disappearing and you will wear that pathway, mm. um, down to the dirt. Um, yeah. but it, it, it has to be one that you've already walked and you've walked on, uh, on that. Well, yeah, that's good. The other embedded question here was why does grief lead so many people apart? Um, 
and one of the things I wrote down was it's just grief is exhausting. Um, there's the aspect of mourning and grief. And when you cry your tears, they're not over mm-hmm. and it doesn't fix things and they're not restored. And in this exhaustion, there is the aspect of not feeling completely understood. Even if you love your spouse and you've got a good relationship with them, you're, you're still, you're, you're two different people and, mm-hmm. and you don't know each other infinitely well. Um, and so I think that's, I think that's just a good heads up that um, as good as your marriage can be to kind of help you through grief, it's you're still going to be exhausted and mm. you're still not going to be completely completely understood. Yeah. Um, and that's that's kind of where I come back to, you know, Psalm 23 is everyone knows um, that very common passage. The Lord is my shepherd, and in you know Jesus and John 10 really goes back to that um, and, and says that that he is the good shepherd, that this is how he leads his sheep and he leads them beside quiet waters and he restores his sheep souls in ways that your spouse can't do and in ways that are better than what your spouse can do mm. and in ways that are satisfying than what your spouse can't can't do. There's uh, There's a lot of ways a sheep can get stuck or damaged or trapped. Um, but with how the sheep is wired, there's only one way for that sheep to get out and it's different than other sheeps. And the good shepherd knows that, mm-hmm. um, did I just say sheeps, mm-hmm. other sheep, <laughs> um, then the good shepherd knows that and the way that he led me in and through this grief, not around it, not under it, not over it, but through it, um, was different than the way he led you out of it and through it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, you, you know, coming to the um, understanding that you are not as good as you are, you are not the good shepherd. There is yeah. one good shepherd that fulfills Psalm 23. Yeah. And that's who, that's who gives us the rest from the exhaustion that grief can bring mm-hmm. and the true understanding that the shepherd knows his sheep by name and I am known. And mm. that, that ultimately is what gets you out and through. It's not your spouse. Yeah, no, that's excellent point. And I think you're right. I mean, bringing your exhaustion to the, to our, our shepherd and, and not, um, not putting it all in, on our spouse and crushing our spouse with them, our expectations of them fixing it or them bringing us through or them providing the right things that we need all of the time. Um, looking to somebody greater definitely is helpful. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Okay. Number three, how do you handle conflict within your marriage or the best ways to talk through or work through disagreements? I think uh, a couple thoughts I wrote down here. One, make sure you expect it. Um, What do you expect when two sinners marry each each Mm -hmm. other? Um, Mm -hmm. You're going to disagree, even if it's not around sin. Uh, And uh, and even if it's not around selfishness, you're just two different people and you're Mm going to you're going to be different. And so the first one is to expect it. I think practically for us, number two, um, place and time has been helpful. Um, I, there are places that afford conversations better than others. If there's a ton of other people around or if the TV's on or if there's mm-hmm. other dis- distractions going on, that's probably not the best place for it. Mm-hmm. Um We've found some of the best places to just talk and connect is in the car next to one another mm-hmm. um, and uh, over wine after dinner, um, asking open-ended questions. I mean, 
asking things like, what do you think just happened? Or how did this make you feel? And get the other person to talk and open up first, mm-hmm. um, I think is very helpful because we're, we often come at a place where we think we're right or we think we understand exactly what our spouse is thinking or exactly what they understood to be um, the root of it or what happened or what caused the pain. Um, we, we think we already know and we yeah. might be right, but more than often not we're not fully right and we're Mm -hmm. not fully understanding what our spouse would be thinking or feeling and i think it's helpful to just kind of just kind of start with that i agree i think there's it's key to just listen and um and yeah just not interrupt not be thinking about the next thing that you want to say or trying to justify why you did x y or z but um but really listening and giving the other person the opportunity to share their side and um and just you know, leaving it sometimes at that. But I think too, the the thing I thought about was just making sure you're getting to the root, the root issue um, and not just dealing with symptoms. I think it's important yeah, to try good. to pinpoint where the real struggle is. I think sometimes the arguments and, um, and struggles are just, you know, they're symptoms of a bigger issue. So um, one thing that I think it's important to do is work on, you know, focusing what the problem really is and not just the straw that finally broke the camel's back. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think the other thing I thought about was just don't let things pile up. Yeah, that's um, good. Have the hard conversations as soon as you can address things when they come up. Um, and um, don't get to a place where you're a year down the road and say, well, a year yeah, ago when you, when you said this, you know, or that, and just kind of addressing things as they come up. Um, I think, too, um, it's important to talk to each other and not to other people, um, at yeah, least initially good. when when there's a conflict, when there's a problem, when you got your feelings hurt, when they did something that frustrated you, um, to have your spouse be the first person that, the, that you go to. I think that's all part of the leave and cleave idea of just really cleaving to your spouse and running to them and being you know, having them be the person that you talk to about it, um, first, not a friend, not, um, somebody else. And then, and then you can seek help, you know, if, if needed down the road, if you need to talk to your pastor or another couple or a counselor, but to make sure that you've gone directly to your spouse, um, to try to talk through it first. Yeah, that's great. The other, the other thing I wrote was, Make sure that what you're fighting over or disagreeing over is not in the 15%. We talked about this last time that 85% of your marriage is probably always going to be going great and you love 85% of the other person. (laughs) Don't focus in on the 15% Mm -hmm. where they are broken, where they're not meant to save you, um, where they just have things that you don't don't like. Don't expect that you're going to find somebody that's 100% exactly the way you like them. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the 85-15 principle that we learned early on, which was super helpful. And so yeah. um, when we think about place and time, oftentimes for me, I hit a brick wall late at night and the things that are in the 15% become bigger <laughs> or yeah. they're, they're, the, the things in the 15% that really don't matter um, become much more of an issue, much more weighty when I'm, you know, when I'm tired. And so I think, um, being able to ascertain what are some of the best times to have the most fruitful and productive conversations as a couple, I think is, is also helpful. Um, and I think, you know, there's gotta be this place where, yeah, I'm not even going to bring up things because I'm pretty sure it's in the 15. 
I just need to forgive. I need to cover it. I need to go on. And I need to remember that I've been given way more mercy mm-hmm. <laughs> um, than I could ever give give uh, to you. And yeah. so if I felt slighted, if I, um, if I felt hurt, um, sometimes it's best just to say, Lord, I forgive and move on. Um, and don't focus in on the 15%, show mercy because you've been given more mercy. Yeah. I think that's an area we've really grown in, in our marriage. Yeah. I think when early on, we just brought every little thing up to each other <laughs> and just felt like, <laughs> yeah. you know, well, you hurt my feelings when you said that, or I didn't like when you did this. And it's, you know, it just, I think, yeah, now 27 years down into marriage, there's a lot that can just roll off each other's backs and we know each other's hearts and intentions more. And, um, you know, we're able to just, yeah, bring a lot of that to the Lord. And I think you're right about figuring out the right time, um, to talk through a disagreement or an argument as well. Um, you know, I think we can get hung up on the whole idea of the sun not going down on our anger, which is definitely true and right. And you don't want to, you know, the bigger idea of that is just you can't let things fester and um, let too much time pass before you talk through it. But I think if your spouse, like you are, is wired in such a way that you need to go to bed uh, at a good hour and and don't want to have a lot to think about as you're falling asleep, um, a lot of hard things, um, it's okay to say, you know what, let's just go to bed and revisit this in the morning. You don't have to fight through and stay up until you get some sort of resolution um, if that is not the most helpful time for your spouse. Um, so figuring some of that out is takes time, but um, can really make a big difference. Yeah, it's good. Number four, any communication tips? How do you keep communication lines open, especially about hard topics? Um, and I think this is interesting because in part one of the series, you know, we shared some marriage advice that the listeners had sent in and good communication was top on almost everybody's list. But then when we asked about, you know, for, for questions about marriage, (laughs) everybody was saying, well, how do you communicate? I mean, that was the top question. So I think that shows that most of us see and understand there's a need for communication, but we can struggle, um, in regards to how to actually integrate good communication into a marriage. Um, it can be a struggle. So what are your thoughts on communication in marriage? I think one of the most helpful things for productive communication for me early on was changing the way that I talked. So mm-hmm. I would start a conversation with you did, or you said this, mm-hmm. um, and yeah. turning that on its head and saying, I felt, I think changing from you said to I felt was mm-hmm. totally different. And when I come to a conversation and I say, you said this and you said that, the first response back is, I didn't say that. Or I didn't mean that. Or I didn't or, mean that. That's not or, what I meant. you took or, it wrong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it escalates into, well, then what did you say? And then how did you say it? Yeah. And it it gets to this, this what is true in the courtroom of life. Mm-hmm. And that's not a helpful place to start. Yeah. A helpful place to start is just to say, this is what I felt. Yeah. Whether you meant it or not. Whether you said it or not, whether anything happened with words like that, this is how I took it and this is how I felt. And then immediately when when it would flip around and you would come to me like that, then it was easier for me just to listen mm-hmm. and then to say, I am, I'm so sorry. I can see yeah. why you felt that way. Not, I didn't mean to make you feel that way, mm-hmm. um, but I, I'm, I'm sorry. Um, and yeah. the, the quicker you can get to that... Um, 
the uh, better. Do you want to, you know, do you come to a conversation like this to punish the other person and to get the last word in and to prove yourself right? Or do you come to a conversation like this to restore? Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to be right or do you want to be in relationship? That's one of my favorite quotes. And I know we used that uh, last yeah. time. But yeah. I think when when we come and we ache for that um, closeness with our spouse, um, that's a good place to come from and don't punish them to get them back into um, being close again and being mm-hmm. able to talk and, and share these things. Mm-hmm. Don't make them feel punished first. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think we've come place to, re- to restore. Yeah. We've come a long way in this area. At least I yeah. have. <laughs> I mean, I think at the beginning of our marriage, I didn't know how to communicate very well. And, um, there was even a season where I just even journaled some of my feelings and would let you read my journal because I just didn't know yeah. how to communicate very well. Um, there was a season at the beginning of our marriage where I gave you the silent treatment a lot because I just didn't even know how to express, you know, disappointment right. or hurt feelings or frustrations or um, the fact that I didn't feel listened to or different things like that. So yeah, I mean, I, I feel like we've come a long way and that it has been through a lot of communication with one another. Um, I think it's also important to t- to express to your spouse what you need during the conversation. So are you sharing just to share? Mm, are you just good. wanting them to listen and you just have a lot on your heart and on your mind and you just want to share? Or are you wanting their input? Are you wanting ideas of, you know, something that needs a problem that needs to be solved or insight or um, advice? And so I think just remembering that your spouse can't read your mind. Um, yeah, so you you need to be clear about why you're sharing, what you're hoping their response will be as you're sharing, um, how you are hoping, you know, that they will respond to what you, what you share. And then I think it's also important, especially for women, not to be discouraged or think that it's not genuine when you ask your spouse, um, to do something and then they do it. (laughs) I mean, that's, (laughs) that's what you're hoping, um, for. And so if you're communicating about a a specific topic in your marriage and you're saying, I need more of this from you, or I wish you did more of this, and then they do it to just embrace it and to be grateful for that and to know that they heard you and they're listening, not feeling like, well, of course they're doing that now because I told them to do that or whatever. So it's just, you know, being open, being clear, um, and, you know, maybe even just, picking the brains of other people around you who seem to have, um, you know, good communication in their marriage, maybe asking them like, what's helpful to you? And what are some things that you've learned over the years in regards to communication? And um, what do you think too about important things to communicate that? What are some important topics to communicate about within marriage? Have you thought about that? I mean, I think we gravitate towards kids and parenting. Um, what are some other topics that are important to communicate about? Yeah, I think I think it's it's very important if if you want to be the best student in the world of your spouse, you need to you need to be able to ask those open-ended questions on what what went exceptionally well today and give me a detailed time and space when it when it happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what was what was disappointing today? What was um what are some things that took you off off guard? What is it that's in the backpack of weight on your back that you're carrying today? Where what does the undercurrent of grief look like? I mean, I think I think these are some these are some great 
um, questions to bring. One of the things that I've found helpful is that sometimes you've come to me with questions and say, I don't want an answer now. Let's talk about it over dinner mm-hmm. or let's go out. And here's three questions that I want to wrestle through. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think being intentional about that and not just always off the cuff. And I do like being off the cuff. That's how I'm wired. Um, and I think there's been some times, some crucial times in our marriage when um, we've gotten some some questions from others or from a book, and we've just given it to the other spouse um, and said, you know, maybe maybe next week let's um, think about these and let's both come with three things that we're thinking about in relation to this question. And I think I think um, you can't assume both spouses can answer questions off the cuff, and you. And it's always good when you give some thought to going through things, mm-hmm. um, and then take some notes afterwards. What did your spouse say? What did, what did they not say? What did you think they were going to say that mm-hmm. they didn't say? Um, and then I think, lastly, for me, it's, you know, it's it's helpful when we've set aside blocks of time, either to be intentional or to just let things happen. And sometimes conversations happen, and sometimes they don't. But if we don't have these long, uninterrupted times, uninterrupted times. Uh, together as a couple, um, you know, conversations can't always be forced. They can't always be scheduled. Um, mm-hmm. you, you just got to be together and see where the conversation goes mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. But I think you're right. I think it does take some um, intentionality and and just being purposeful about carving out time to communicate. I think at the end of a day, it can be easy to just, you know, get through dinner and then turn on a show or, you know, kind of get caught up on your phone or, you know, just... Um, it, it does take time and, and purpose to, to communicate and to talk. And, um, you know, I think it's also, I think getting back to the intimacy question that we talked about last, um, in the last episode, I think it's important to talk about, um, even things like sex. I mean, about a month ago, you and I did that, just checked in with each other about yeah. how we think things are going, what's working, what isn't. Um, I think different seasons of life bring about new desires and it's helpful to stay tight with one another. I think finances is another one. Just how, how are you feeling about how we're spending our money? Um, how yeah, are you good. feeling about, um, friendships? How are, you know, just kind of having these, these bigger, um, topics, um, leaving them open-ended and like you said, maybe even saying, let's just think about this and talk about it next weekend or something. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Um, number five, how to best love your spouse when they are changing or evolving or they're starting to think differently than they used to. Um, I think that's really a great question. Yeah. Right. I think, um, one of the first thoughts that came to mind is expect it. Um, yeah. one of my favorite quotes out of the Tim Keller marriage, book that we will certainly recommend more at the end um, is that you will be married to eight different women during your lifetime (laughs) and it's the same woman Mm -hmm. and uh, Mm -hmm. you know you will continue to morph and change and that's that's good that's part of that's part of us us becoming different and us um, dropping some of our bad habits and some of our selfishness and really looking outside of ourselves more Um, and that, that is going to mean that you're going to be married to different women and it's going to be the same one. Mm-hmm. Um, I think to encourage the growth is good. Um, and I think um, to ask about these things that are on her mind, um, even though they may not be top of your mind, you've got to realize that these things that she's wrestling through as she changes are right in front of her nose. 
and she's thinking about it every day and and ask that and listen. And I love what you said on the last question, which is when you've told me just I just want to share these things, I don't want you to fix it. Then I then I can listen in a way that's different instead of um, trying to put dry powder together to, um, you know, blast something or fix something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I do think that I mean, I think this is hard if like, if you and your spouse used to be on the same page about something, and now one of you, you know, has changed your thinking. Um, it's hard. So yeah, I think commu- I think it gets back to communication and just really listening, really extending a lot of grace, um, expecting the change, like you said, um, and just realizing that a lot of times we're not disappointed in the way that the other person is acting or changing, or but it's it's more of our expectations um, aren't being met or we're frustrated because we, you know, don't like some of the changes we're seeing. But right, encouraging growth is is key to wanting, you know, your spouse to continue to grow and, and become a better person, um, more mature. And, you know, we don't want to be the same people we were at 25 when we're 50. Um, but it, it can be, it can be a messy, hard process if you're growing or changing at different paces. Um, and so continue to keep the bigger perspective of marriage and wanting to help each other grow and become better. Um, I think another key thing in this um, area is just remembering the idea of preference over principle. Yeah, I love that. Um, there are times that um, maybe it's just a preference issue and you can, I mean, just it's not that big of a deal <laughs> versus a principle issue where it's like, oh man, this is this is pretty key area where we're going to, we're heading down different paths. I mean, you're you know, handling this situation a lot different. I know a lot of couples have had that happen here in COVID and with a lot of the political stuff that's going on, um, couples have felt a little bit more divided and um, seeing things from different perspectives and, and it's hard. It really is hard. I mean, I think this is a really important question, um, but I, I think it does get back to what you said right at the very beginning of this um, topic, which is just you have to expect it. I think if you're yeah. thrown for a loop because um, you're not on the same page, um, that that can be crushing in and of itself, just the disappointment of that. Good. Yeah. Number six, most important thing you've learned in marriage so far, or what are you learning right now in your marriage or through marriage? Yeah, so this isn't fair because I think we've learned a number of things, um, <laughs> and I think uh, we we have been able to capture that on. Well, that's why we did episodes. the episodes. <laughs> <But, laughs> it's just to kind of share our top ten. But um, but yeah. here's here's one thing that I thought about is that at age of twenty, before I was married, what I would look back and say now is. I didn't know at age 20 just more of the depth and the understanding and the passion of the love that God had for me. If we think of marriage being this living parable of how God connects to the church and how he feels about the church and how he understands the church, like like we we've experienced some really neat things these last 27 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and the understanding that I've got is that... Um, that I still see in this mirror dimly of just how much God loves me because I see how much you love me. Mm. Um, and I felt it and I've tasted it. Um, and, and so I think, um, you know, it, it does speak a better word over me that, um, Christ, 
um, is satisfied with me and is happy with me and enjoys me. Um, and I've got a relationship with my creator in a way that um, is deeper than what I knew. Mm -hmm. And, and you've helped me to be able to uh, see that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I think, you know, for me, I think it just is so important to remember the real purpose in marriage and to marriage. Um, you know, we will change feelings will ebb and flow. Circumstances are constantly fluctuating, but when you keep, you know, the purpose and mission of, of marriage, um, at the forefront of your mind, it really will keep you closer. Um, and, you know, the whole idea of staying invested despite feelings as right. well. Um, I just, I think the biggest thing for me that I am learning right now um, is just how important it has been to keep our relationship the priority throughout raising our kids. Yeah. Because we are at a season where our kids are leaving, our house is getting quieter. Yeah. We have more time together um, and we're seeing some of the fruit of the investment that we have made um, in our marriage and in our friendship and um, loving and liking each other and finding things that we enjoy doing together. Um, I think that is making this season of our house emptying out yeah. um, a little sweeter, yeah. a lot sweeter. Yeah. No, that's good. I think that um, one of the things that we've written down and we've both um, connected with as well is just that marriage is for our good and for our joy and for our growth um, it is not for our selfish pursuits and it is not so one of us ultimately is satisfied. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it is, uh, you know, marriage is different. Um, it has a different purpose and I think you hit that right on. And, and I do love where our focus is now with this season in our life when, yeah, the house is getting quieter. What does a thriving marriage look like mm -hmm. now at this age? Yeah. Number seven, how to fight comparison with other marriages, um, or comparing your spouse to other husbands or wives. Um, <laughs> I think, you know, in all areas of life, marriage included, uh, comparison can really steal your joy. Um, that lack of, yeah. lack of contentment can be, um, such a joy stealer. Um, yeah. I don't know. What are your, th I mean, the first thing that jumps uh, into my mind is just, um, you know, the deeper issue of, of what comparison shows and reveals in your heart. And I think that is a lack of trusting God and his good yeah, plans good. for you. Um, when you wish you had a different husband or you're, you know, wish you had a different wife. I mean, deep down the core issue then is you're saying you don't trust what God has provided for yeah. you, who he's provided for you. So I, my encouragement would be instead of wishing, you know, for a different spouse or comparing him to other husbands, um, you know, work on your, your trust with the Lord and memorize his promises and focus more on his love for you and learn more about how his sovereignty plays out in the details of your life and kind of getting to the place where you can genuinely say, you know, this is who God has for me. There is no perfect husband. There is no perfect wife. Um, but I have a perfect God who has a perfect plan for me and this is who he has given me. And, it kind of makes me think back to Becky Novacek's um, podcast episode on mindset too. And yeah, right. not letting these thoughts fester, not letting your mind go there, not focusing in on um, somebody else's spouse, um, right. but stopping the thoughts and the comparisons and turning your mindset towards towards God's perfect ways and his steadfast love for you. What about yeah. you? Yeah, so 
I think that um, Facebook and social media are great and powerful tools when they're used well, and they can be used really, really well. Um, but I think oftentimes Facebook and social media by its very nature does not enforce the 85-15 that we've uh, talked, talked through. People only post uh, the 100% or make people look like their marriage is 100% and this is what their life looks like. And they make 100% out of the 85%, mm-hmm. um, percent, right? And mm-hmm. I think it's good to start with the reminder that even the marriage that you look up to and respect is not 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, Mm-hmm. And if you see it on social media, you're only going to see the good parts. What about 2 a.m.? What about when they fight? What about things when they are very difficult? Like they have that too yeah. <laughs> because they're they're human. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think another helpful point on this is just um, secondly realizing that we can humble ourselves and learn from others. Um, there are things that other marriages do and other friends of ours do that are really good and we can humble ourselves and ask and, and get advice. And we don't have to be the ones that proclaim that there's 100% out of the 85. Yeah, um, that's a good point. I think the other one that's really helpful is you got to recognize where the lie is here. And here's, here's what the lie sounds like. Um, I will have a happier and more joyful life if my spouse did that, fill in the blank, Mm -hmm. or if my spouse looked like that, or my spouse did this, and if my spouse looked like that other couple, Mm -hmm. like then Mm -hmm. I will be happier or more joyful. And um, I think that um, what the truth is, if that's the lie, the truth is, is that no, like my joy is not rooted in Jody, my joy is rooted in the one for whom I was made and focusing in on that, that um, having something different here on earth is not going to give me, you know, changing my circumstances is not going to change my happiness mm-hmm. and my deep founded joy. Um, that 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 is really anchored in the creator for whom we were made. Mm-hmm. And um, the uh, Spurgeon quote, which I will, which I will butcher, um, if there was a better path um, that the God of love would have placed you on, you would mm-hmm. be on it, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Uh, and that's kind of the point you already made, that yeah. we do have a loving Father who is good, um, and He gives us all that we need in Him for life and godliness, as Peter reminds us. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so that, that, I think, is the way out of comparison um, and uh, some very helpful tips to just be content in the marriage you have and continue to work on that. Yeah, no, I think that's great. And yeah, fighting for that contentment. And, you know, I think it's also important to just realize we all have our own difficult things in life. So, you know, if you're not happy with your spouse or you feel like your marriage isn't as good as these friends or those friends, remember, maybe they do have an awesome marriage, but there's probably another area in their life that is difficult. And I mean, look at our life, for example. I mean, yeah, we have, we have a great marriage. It's a thriving marriage. I love our marriage, but our family is broken in other ways. And we don't have Jackson here with us. And, you know, it's just, it's good to keep perspective about other people's lives as a whole. I think this helps with comparison and wishing that your life looked like somebody else's or your marriage looked like somebody else's. Um, Number eight, any advice um, if you have friends who are struggling in their marriage, um, you know, similarly, what advice do we have for somebody that knows that their friends are struggling in their marriage? So just kind of the whole idea of what do you do if, if you're really struggling in your marriage? What do you do if your friends are really struggling in their marriage? Um, 
And, you know, kind of back to the comparison question too, there was, um, you know, kind of the feeling of, I feel guilty because I have a happy marriage and my friends don't. Um, how can I encourage them? Um, so just thoughts around struggles in marriage and what, what to do. Yeah, I would say don't, don't give up and don't expect things to be healed with one con, uh, conversation, either with you and the other friends that are struggling or with you helping um, other friends who want to help friends in marriage that are you know struggling too. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, getting past this, there's just one silver bullet. You've got to have one good uh, you know conversation and things will things will be fine. I think that um, kind of the pathway out of um, a stuck marriage is for you personally to just become a student of forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Um, Marriage will not thrive with the root of bitterness. And bitterness is really defined as kind of that long-term anger. Um, and so there are there are things to think through. There are things to pray through. There are things to read. And don't say, I don't read. Um, if you want your marriage to uh, thrive, mm-hmm. um, and, and if you want to help other people, um, help lead them down the path of what does forgiveness look like? And what is it that we really have been forgiven with God? Um, that can melt our hearts in a way that um, we can forgive others differently. You know, Mm -hmm. I heard it as of late here that when we don't forgive others, we act as an owner. Mm. Um, And there's really only one owner here, the one that owns all things, which is God, and we are fellow servants. And uh, when we don't forgive others, um, we we put ourselves in the place of the owner. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I, I think... I think that's helpful. I think the other advice is help them not to isolate. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, getting help means that you're plugged into a church, you're plugged in with elders, you're plugged in with um, people at church that you can reach out to for help. You're you're getting counseling. Don't just think it's going to disappear or get better with time. In fact, it's going to get worse because really at the crux of a broken marriage is oftentimes an unforgiving spirit and a bitterness that has to be rooted out. And um, so those would be a couple things that I No, that's good. That's good. Yeah. And on that counseling topic, I mean, I think that if one spouse is asking for that or desires that or wants that, man, I would just encourage the other one to just dive in, even if it's not something that you think you would like to do or would be helpful to you or... Um, you know, it's just, if there's ever a time (laughs) to seek out counseling, it would be when your marriage is struggling. Um, or if, you know, you feel like you have gone down the path of trying to seek help in other areas and it's not helping, like you said, if you've got this, this root of bitterness or something that needs to be, um, to work, worked out with a professional, it would be the right time to do that. And, and you also mentioned, you know, getting plugged into a church. I think that's key as well. It doesn't, won't fix your problems, but it will definitely help to be surrounded by other people who love the Lord and get to know you and love you and and struggle in their marriages yeah. too. <laughs> yeah, that's right. right. That's right. Yeah. And it's key what you said about don't isolate. And yeah. if you do have friends who are struggling in their marriage and they've shared that or you're perceiving that, don't let them isolate either. Um, pull close to them and in, keep inviting them to things and um, just walking alongside of them. Yeah. The other piece in here too is I think we have to change our prayer from Lord fix her or Lord fix my spouse to Lord um, fix me. Mm-hmm. What What is it? You know, forget my spouse for a, for a minute, Lord. What is it that I'm bringing to the uh, table that's just weak? Mm-hmm. What is it that I'm bringing that's, that's broken? Where do I need to change? 
Um, yeah. And I'm not going to change just because you're going to change her first. Like, you know, this is something like when there's marriages that are struggling, the the best place to start is just brokenness on your knees before God because it's you and don't figure out the percentage that your spouse is responsible for. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's you. Lord, where can I grow through this? Yeah. Number nine, have you walked through some difficult seasons of parenting? How did that affect your marriage? And how has your marriage looked different through different parenting seasons? Yeah, I think, I think parenting uh, is more difficult. I think we would say as the kids continued to get older, mm-hmm. um, it was pretty easy when they're zero to three years old and then three to six and then on the way up it, it just well, seemed different like kind of hard but it was a it easier, was a different yeah. kind of hard but i think it's more complex mm-hmm. um as the kids um get get older i think what's been helpful for me with the kids um and with you is just to continue to leave the door open i love the things that we've been taught about making statements and not asking yes or no questions, but asking open-ended questions um, instead of yes/no questions. But also just making statements um, and being able to help your kids through through that. And then I think um, maintaining, you know, whatever those statements are, make sure that your um, spouse is on the same page with you and be a team in in front of your spouse. And if you're not quite on the same page as your spouse during those times, those are those are times that you've got to communicate, like we said in previous points, um, you know, um, uh, today. In, and that is that um, you've got to talk through those things as a couple um, first. And there's how we're going to address this and be a, a united front with your yeah. uh, kids. I think that's been key yeah. for keeping a, a healthy marriage in the midst of difficult seasons of parenting is trying to stay united um, and being a team and, you know, just it's okay to say like dad and I need to talk about this and I'll get back to you later um, to make sure that you are on the same team to make sure you're honoring each other's um, thoughts and opinions on whatever's happening. Um, I think too, um, you know, getting counseling for your kids if they are struggling, um, getting counseling for yourself when your kids are struggling. yeah, Yeah. I mean, I think that that's initially what brought us to counseling after Jackson died, um, it was our grief. Yes. But even more so, I think my greatest desire in seeking counseling was to be able to help my kids, to help our kids navigate what they would have to face now for the rest of their life without their brother here. And so, yeah, what are practical tools we can help our kids learn so that they don't bury their disappointment and grief and brokenness over their brother and wake up 30 years from now and, have to wrestle with something really difficult because they never addressed that. That was the reason why we went to counseling and man, we got, we got a whole ton more, certainly for me, certainly for you, certainly for each of us, but uh, man, we got a ton more than we bargained for. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to the question of how has our marriage looked different through different parenting seasons? I mean, kind of already talked about that too. We do have a lot more time together now. I mean, when the kids were little, we were so tired and kind of tag teaming and taking turns who gets to go to bed early, who has to wake up and, you know, change the diaper in the middle of the night, who, you know, and now, you know, we do have a lot more time together. And um, so, yeah, our marriage has definitely looked different in different seasons, but I think it's a good reminder that, you know, the best marriages do give their best to one another, not their best to the kids at the expense of having nothing left 
you know, for each other. Um, I think one key thing too for um, marriages, if uh, for, you know, couples when you have younger kids is put um, babysitters in your budget. I think it's important to to carve out time in the midst of whatever season you're in to have that one-on-one time together, um, to get away, to go on a date, um, and just um, prioritizing that um, during those really busy, crazy years. <laughs> um, I think, yeah, we've we've done a lot of reading um, on parenting. Um, that's been helpful. Um, you know, teenagers really teach you how to pray. Um, so praying together, talking about how we're praying over our kids, um, that bonds us together as husband and wife, as we continue to parent. So those are a couple things. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. All right. You ready for number 10? The last ready. one. Number 10. What resources would you suggest, um, about marriage? So it could be for a husband and wife to do together or just, you know, couple people who wrote in said, I don't think my spouse would be interested, but I would love some resources. So it can be for, um, for couples, for husband and wife, or just suggestions, books, anything that would be helpful in regards to pressing forward in marriage. I think that we initially think books, and I think that's, that's key. And there are some definite resources there. Don't uh, forget podcasts. There's some really helpful authors and writers and speakers that have uh, podcasts that can be helpful on mm-hmm. these lines. And I think we need to be uh, careful too. There's, there's things that uh, are not helpful out there as well. And so I think, you know, where I would start is um, we've mentioned it a couple of times, the uh, meaning of marriage by Tim Keller um, I've probably read that book. Uh, I probably read parts of that book maybe 10 times mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, I've got it on Kindle and I've gone to the Kindle website and copied the highlights out of it and put it in another document to just, it's been extremely helpful, uh, to just listen to what scripture has to say about why do we have marriage and how are some practical ways we don't blow it up. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that was, that was helpful for me. What about you? Yeah. Um, you know, I think it's important to find things that you can go through together. So whether it's a Bible reading plan, um, or I love, and I know you do too, um, the new morning mercies devotional, um, from Paul Tripp. Um, if that's, if you're looking for something to kind of go through together as a couple, um, I think, yeah, about the Keller book is great. Um, Paul Tripp's, what did you expect book is one of our favorites, the five love languages. Um, And then I think if you are um, at a place where you have kids that are struggling or you're just struggling through some parenting um, issues, Nancy Guthrie has a great book called Praying Praying for Your Children, A Year of um, Praying Through Your Children. And that that would be a good resource as well to just stay grounded in the word while you're parenting. Um, Podcasts, yeah, I think that's great. There's a lot of good books on intimacy as well if you are struggling with physical intimacy. you know, don't be too proud to, to not, um, read a book about that. If that's something that you're struggling with. Um, so those are a couple, I would say other people, if there's a couple that you really respect their marriage, um, an older couple that's a little further down the road, um, spending time with them, picking their brain. I think that's a great resource, um, that, um, you can kind of see it lived out right in front of you. I think one of the elements that we've touched on too, is that, um, you know, uh, keep focusing in on 
your relationship with God as a part of what can overflow to a healthy marriage. Um, and the book that uh, one of our pastors recommended as of late that we're both reading right now, which we are both loving, is by Dane Ort- Ortland, um, Gentle and Lowly, The Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers. Um, super helpful book. I'm reading it slowly. Um, and I think that if you believe that this purpose of marriage is both a uh, you know living parable and someone that is the spiritual friendship with you on the way to your forever home, like what does that forever home look like and who are you going to see? You're not going to go see Jody in heaven. You're going to you're going to get to fellowship with her, certainly, but uh, with Christ for whom you were you were made. Um, and so what does that uh, look like now? And who is this um, person that um, all of Scripture points to? And what is his heart for you as a sinner and as a sufferer? Uh, super helpful. And that's mm-hmm. that just as of right now, that's just a book I'm uh, going through slowly and loving it. Yeah. Yeah. And there are other, um, you know, resources in regards to um, weekend getaways that um, a number of ministries provide if you're looking for something a little more intense and, you know, you want to just get away with your spouse to really learn and grow and be challenged. Um, Focus on the Family has wonderful resources of um, different um, conferences, um, books, and things like that. So, yeah, I think just think outside of the box and and just stay um, stay learning, stay growing, um, and um, be open to to uh, all these different kinds of resources. Yeah, that's good. I think a uh, healthy and thriving marriage just doesn't happen, and it's something that the world pushes against, and weeds grow up, and things fester and just encourage folks to continue to push forward it's it it is a worthy fight and keep running to the lord because you don't have the resources in yourself to make this thrive yeah um and you are going to come to marriage selfishly as i have as uh, we all have done and you need something different um and so just keep um praying to him with raw prayers that are unpre meditated for for help that's what god likes to hear from his own yeah um and uh and and continue to learn and be a student of marriage and to figure these things out and to pursue forgiveness and what that means um and it it is going to take work and it's uh, worthy work yeah good good well thanks for working through these 10 questions with me absolutely um yeah, I just, you know, we're not sharing because we think we have everything figured out, but we are sharing to give hope. And that's right. we hope as you listen that um, that you're encouraged to keep working on your marriage, to remember that it's not easy. And, you know, some marriages will just never be easy, um, but there is hope. Um, there is someone to run to in the difficulties um, and there are practical tools to implement and um, and just keep remembering that we have a really big God Um, who is the creator and the designer of marriage and he is at work and he can help and and comfort and provide when we keep focused on him and keep looking to his word and his people for for counsel and guidance well said thank you for listening to another episode of the fighting for joy podcast I just want to remind you that I am still partnering with faithful counseling this season to help bring you quality online Christian counseling Use my code at faithfulcounseling.com slash fightingforjoy. You will find out more there and receive 10% off. 
I can't say it enough, but quality counseling is a worthy investment, such a powerful tool in the fight for joy in the midst of this broken world. Again, check it out at faithfulcounseling.com slash fighting for joy, or just send me a message and I will get you the direct link. Have a great day, you guys. Thank you so much for listening today. If you were helped or encouraged by this episode, please share it with others. I would also love for you to find me on social media. You can connect with me and others who are listening on my Fighting for Joy podcast page on either Facebook or Instagram. You can also send me an email at fightingforjoypodcast at gmail.com. Podcasts have been such a lifeline for me in grief and one of the top ways that my soul is recharged and encouraged on a weekly basis. I truly hope that this podcast will do the same for you. Keep fighting for joy.